Hey y'all, Eve's here. We're doubling up today with two events in history. One from me and one from former host Tracy V. Wilson. On with the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's October 11th. Pope John XXIII opened the Second Vatican Council, also known as Vatican II, on this day in 1962. The First Vatican Council had taken place from 1869 to 1870. It had been summoned by Pope Pius IX, and it was meant to define church doctrine and to address the question of papal infallibility. And then on January 29, 1959, 89 years after the First Vatican Council had concluded, Pope John XXIII announced that he was summoning a second one. Although the First and Second Ecumenical Councils a lot of times are thought of as a pair, Vatican II was really the Roman Catholic Church's 21st major council meeting. Pope John XXIII had been elected Pope just a few months before, on October 9th of 1958. And this time, this council was to include all the Catholic bishops, along with other religious figures within the church, and the goal wasn't to redefine church doctrine as it had been the first time, or the earlier time, It was to bring about a spiritual rebirth or renewal in the Roman Catholic Church and to, quote, bring the church up to date. The Pope recognized that the world was changing. The world was changing really quickly, and he thought that the church needed to adapt to keep up. The Pope was also hoping to build better connections to other branches of Christianity and to heal some divisions between them and just to get rid of any animosity, to get rid of disparagement of other faiths by Catholics and of Catholics by other faiths. So representatives of other major churches were also invited to this, although it was in a non-voting capacity. This included Eastern Orthodox, Anglican, and Protestant observers. The Pope had served in the army during World War II, and he had worked as a Vatican diplomat. And it's certain that all of this influenced his decision to have this whole council and the focus of the council. The Pope faced a lot of resistance to this idea from within the church. Councils like these generally end with a period of chaos and turmoil. Plus, the curia, or the church administration, was pretty conservative. Some of them thought if they dragged their feet about it long enough, the 71-year-old Pope might not live long enough to see it through, but he did. The council was meant to move in a positive way, keeping in mind that the Catholic Church was supposed to be something that served humanity, not the other way around. It lasted until 1965. Pope John XXIII died in June of 1963, and the council had to continue under his successor, Pope Paul VI. The council officially concluded on December 8th of 1965, and at that point, the council fathers had created 16 documents. Drafts of some of these decrees had been produced before the council began, and then they had been discussed and debated and revised throughout those proceedings. There were a lot of changes that followed Vatican II. Mass began to be held in the local language rather than in Latin. Mass was also held with the priests facing the congregation, trying to reinforce the idea that the congregation was playing an active part in Mass rather than just sort of being passive listeners. In some places, Catholic clergy started to become a lot more directly involved in their communities and a lot more politically active. 
and Catholics were encouraged to develop relationships with people of other faiths, even visiting their churches, which was something that had really been discouraged before this point. Overall, Vatican II encouraged religious tolerance and acceptance. In a lot more recent years, Pope Francis has had a similar focus on this kind of reform. But Vatican II is not without criticism. Everything from philosophical disagreements to nostalgia for the time when services were in Latin has come up in response to Vatican II. There's also a sense that it didn't do enough to encourage women's equality within the church. And there's been some ongoing discussion about whether the reforms of Vatican II have really been carried out or not, or whether some of it was just lip service. And there are also questions about how or whether these reforms affected or could have affected the ongoing sex abuse scandal within the church. Thanks to Christopher Hasiotis for his research work on today's episode and to Tari Harrison for all of her audio work on this podcast. You can subscribe to this day in history class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And you can tune in tomorrow for a life-saving invention. Hello, everyone. I'm Eves. Welcome to this day in history class, where we take a tiny bite of history every day. The day was October 11, 1899. The Second Boer War began after Britain rejected the Transvaal Ultimatum, which said that the British should stop building up their forces in the region. The conflict was between the British Empire and the self-governing Boer states of the Transvaal Republic and the Orange Free State. It is also called the Anglo-Boer War, the South African War, and simply the Boer War. The word Boer means farmer in Dutch and Afrikaans. The Boers were South Africans of Dutch, German, or Huguenot descent, specifically those who colonized the Transvaal and the Orange Free State. Today, South Africans of European descent who speak Afrikaans are called Afrikaners. The Cape Colony was under Dutch rule for much of the 17th and 18th centuries. But in 1806, it became a British possession as a result of the Napoleonic Wars. The Boers, who had often been hostile and violent toward indigenous Africans and the colonial government, grew to oppose British rule. They were unhappy with Britain's liberal policies, especially its anti-slavery ones. The Boers began an exodus into the southern African interior known as the Great Trek, displacing and killing many locals along the way. They soon founded the independent states that became known as the South African Republic, aka Transvaal, and the Orange Free State. The Boers chose to live rural agrarian lifestyles with a near subsistence economy. So when diamonds and gold were found in the land they occupied, the British and other outside interests exploited the resources and built mines. The British and the Boers in the region were at odds, while both of those groups oppressed indigenous peoples. Afrikaners saw themselves as pioneers who resisted British rule and the savagery of the supposedly inferior Black South Africans, and they saw themselves as the rightful owners of the territory they had invaded. The late 1800s also saw the scramble for Africa, or the invasion and colonization of African territory by European powers. In 1877, Britain annexed Transvaal, but the Boers resisted. 
1880, the first Boer War between the UK and the Transvaal Boers had begun. And in 1881, the British recognized the South African Republic, though it was kept under British suzerainty. Though the London Convention of 1884 provided for full independence and self-government in the South African Republic, the state still had to get permission from the British government to enter into a treaty with anyone besides the Orange Free State. So tensions remained between Britain and the South African Republic. And the discovery of gold deposits in the Witwatersrand, a ridge in the Transvaal, made the Republic a potential threat to British dominance in South Africa. Europeans began migrating to Transvaal to work in mines. Cecil Rhodes, prime minister of the Cape Colony, tried to overthrow the Transvaal government in a failed plot called the Jameson Raid. This incited Afrikaner nationalism, and the Transvaal formed an alliance with the Orange Free State. Escalating tensions led to the outbreak of the Second Boer War on October 11, 1899. Britain had rejected the Transvaal ultimatum, which said that all disputes between the Orange Free State and the Transvaal had to be settled by arbitration, that British troops on the borders had to be withdrawn, and that troops headed to South Africa by ship should not disembark. The Second Boer War was a violent conflict. Though the Boers were well-armed and had early victories, they were soon overwhelmed by large numbers of British soldiers. Black Africans also participated in the war on the side of the Boers and the British. The British annexed the Orange Free State and the Transvaal in 1900. Though the British did get help in their military efforts from other colonies and countries, there was plenty of opposition to their action from within and outside of the British Empire. As the Boers continued to fight as guerrillas, the British resisted them, destroyed civilian farms, and put their families into concentration camps. Black Africans were also put in concentration camps. The war ended in 1902 when the Boers surrendered and signed the Treaty of Farina King. The Union of South Africa, including the former Boer republics, was formed in 1910 as a self-governing dominion of the British Empire. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you know you already spend too much time on social media, spend some of that time with us at T-D-I-H-C Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We also accept electronic letters at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks for going on this trip through history with us. We'll see you again tomorrow with another episode. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.